Hey, security peeps, I am Renee Small, and we are back again with a special edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity with Dr. Dan Schaefer. So we're here with on Mondays with Dr. Dan. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. I hope you're all um, staying safe and enjoying the three-day weekend. And Dan and I want to chop on and just, you know, keep the momentum going. Dan has been with us for the past, I think, six or seven weeks now. Right. Giving uh, advice and 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 helping us in this in this area of being at home during COVID-19. Um, as you may know or may not, I am a cybersecurity super recruiter helping uh, leaders in organizations build out cybersecurity teams and helping amazing cybersecurity talent get into new opportunities. So, Dan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Dan Schaefer, Peak Performance Strategies. I'm a business and sports psychologist. I work with people who want to get a competitive edge to whom losing is absolutely not an option. People who are at the very top of their game and develop some very unique and interesting strategies, taking some things from sports and bringing it into business that works exceptionally well for the people who use them. They don't work at all for people who don't use them. But it's people are looking for an edge today whether it's a student athlete or a professional athlete or somebody in business. And I don't know anybody who's more competitive than cybersecurity people because you're up against a constant, never-ending threat. That is true. That is true. So I know people have been reaching out to you over the past couple of weeks since we've been having these live streams. What are you hearing from the listeners and the viewers that are seeing you here every week um, when they reach out behind the scenes? The key issues for a lot of the people are career oriented, uh, you know, to to say to themselves, Mm -hmm. do I have because we brought this up before on programs. Do I have a safety net? Do I have a safety net in case my job doesn't come back or I want to make a transition or is it a time to make a transition? And what's the process? And I think the process is different than it was before. Uh, when someone contacts me to help them with that process, we get an organizational chart of their organization. Who, who do they have to persuade and influence that they're the person to run the show? Uh, and all of this, virtually all of this is in confidence. People just don't talk about this process. So a lot of people are alone at the top, wherever they are, uh, basically running their own company and we're going to talk about that in a minute but what are they you know what's what's important to them and they can't they they don't want to give their edge away and confidentiality is on the top of the list i mean people who contacted me uh, have said well send me an email or communicate with me at, at my work and i'll say no we have to use a home email address and your uh cell phone so that you can keep your efforts in confidence. So most of these people are going through a transition right now, trying to determine pretty much what to do next in their careers or just what's happening in their organization or trying to anticipate what is happening um, or what will happen when you know, bans are lifted and we get out of quarantine and things like that? <clears throat> yes. All of the above. 
But what's happened is, is that when we've talked about 2025 before, every one of my clients today is in 2025 working backwards. It's a very unusual and psychologically powerful way to work because you take yourself out to 2025, and this is not goal setting, this is dreaming. If I gave you a magic wand and you waved it, what would 2025 look like? And then we look backwards in 2025 to today for anything that they could possibly do that could disrupt that, that could throw them off. And it comes back down into this concept of selling mistakes. What mistakes have other people made that if I find out about them, I don't have to make them? How do I do that? What's the system? Uh, there's articles on my website, uh, but a lot of people are saying, can we work one-to-one -one with this? And there it is. Basically, it's a system. Uh, to get a sense of how this works, as I say to people, send me a request with mistakes in the subject bar, and I will send you my list of mistakes. So you'll get an idea of the mistakes that my clients made before they became my client and what it cost them in money, emotion, and reputation. And this has appealed to people who are anticipating, a, a, who want to be flexible or anticipating a, a, a job change, or they have aspirations to move somewhere else where somebody is trying to recruit them. And so how do you put all of that together? And what, what are the challenges of somebody who has to make that kind of decision? I worked with a cybersecurity professional some years ago, and uh, he said to me, I'm interviewing for another position. I said, wait a minute. I said, are you interviewing them or are they interviewing you? Because I believe he should have been interviewing them because of his level of, his level of expertise and uh, the fact that he could be asking the right questions. And that's one of the biggest issues today is, is the questions that people ask, you know? Um, I know that uh, when people look at, at their future and they say, what do I want to be doing? I want to be doing something I'm very happy with that I enjoy doing. It's like not going, somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago when I was going to retire, I said, from what? I don't work now, you know? This is fun, mm -hmm. is this because I love working with people and helping them, whether it's whether it's a high school baseball player or a football player. I mean, I've worked with some of the top professional football players and athletes in the country. But again, all under the radar, except for Chad Pennington, who wrote the forward to my book. Uh, most of them never talk about it. It's so a secret. You're the secret weapon. I have a covert practice. I mean, it's. You know, I I can you know I one of the things I've been ramping up for any golfers and I guarantee golfers three to six strokes with their golf game. So watch if you send me an email about golf, I'll send you some stuff about. But basically, I'm ramping this program up again. And I had a guy call me and say to me, he said, you know, I'm in a transition, uh, and uh, he said, could you help me with my golf game? I went to his office, and as we walked through the office, he's making all these hand things like he's got a golf club in his hand. And when we sat down in his office, he said to me, this isn't about golf. He says, I'm in the middle of one of the biggest mergers and acquisitions that's going on in the country today. He said, and I've got three months to persuade three guys that I'm the guy to run the company. Wow. So, so we worked on strategies and profiling the people he had to influence 
what he had to say to them. So nothing about this even resembles winging it. I'll just go in and talk about what I do. Mm -hmm. Because the, the thing is, is that today we bought in, people want to look on my website, there's a whole presentation there about the course of myths. What does it cost an individual to operate his life or his business on, on a myth? And uh, it, it can become very costly. You know, even we've talked about this before, the 30 second elevator pitch. How do you get your, your whole pitch together in 30 seconds? Well, unfortunately you don't have 30 seconds. You only have six. So if you're meeting somebody and you have to separate yourself from your competition immediately, what do you have to do with that? Right. How do you get your pitch in, in, in six seconds? So Dan, we, to, the topic for today is you Inc. Right. And um, because so many people have called you and reached out and texted you about career focus and, um, you know, transitions, talk to them, talk to, talk to the, the viewers about, about you Inc. Um, because I think that's so, it's so, it's such a needed thought process to have right now, especially as we are all going through these transitions. So please talk to everybody, explain what you Inc. is and um, how it can help so many people that are here. Uh, it's, it is, anybody today who's in business understands that it's, it's difficult being in business today, particularly now with what's going on. Uh, but it's really risky to be in business and not know that you're in business. And many people think, well, I work for somebody. The concept is that you really are the CEO of your own company. It's not taught that way. People don't think about it that way. But when people start to look at uh, all the things that they need to do to run themselves, run their life as a company, uh, it, it it puts everything in a different focus. First of all, uh, and this is, if somebody sends me an, an email and says, send me Ink, I'll send you the whole system of doing it. But basically, it's a, uh, it's a think of yourself as running your own company. And so you have to do a SWOT analysis on yourself. What do you really, really, really do well? And surprisingly, Highly high-performing people sometimes do sub stuff so unconsciously that they don't even realize what they do well. Mm -hmm. But what do you do well? And how do you maximize that? And then how do you project that and communicate that to somebody you're talking to? Or how do you manifest, let it manifest itself within your job situation? The next thing is, you know, weaknesses. I don't I look, them, look at them not as weaknesses, but as developmental opportunities, stuff that people did, you know, stuff that people did and, and haven't had noticed it or need to improve it. Uh, and then um, opportunities. What opportunities have passed you by that you can never, ever recover? And what can you learn from what happened in that process? The next thing with opportunities, what opportunities are uh, right in front of you now? And what do you need to do with those? What can you do and how can you maximize them? Uh, then you come back to uh, 
uh, uh, future opportunities, opportunities are coming down the pike that you can't even anticipate, or maybe you can anticipate, you need to prepare for them. And a third thing is threat, threats. What happens if you don't do anything? When you wait too long? Uh, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, oh, I should have called you sooner. Well, there's a really big cost to waiting sometimes. Because, you know, as that we've said on this phone call, it, it doesn't cost you anything to contact me. It doesn't cost you anything for a consultation with me. Uh, to find out the basic question is, what do you need to have happen right now that's not happening? Yeah. And how do we, how do we make it happen? But it's thinking about this. Now, when you come back to seeing yourself as running your own company, whether it's somebody who is a senior executive somewhere trying to transition, whether it's a, a high school or grammar school kid who wants to really move forward and develop a business or something, he has to figure, you know, what's it, what, what do I need to do here? Yeah. So some questions are coming through. So I'm going to put some up here. Justin wants to know, what do you use to switch between work and home life when working remotely? When for him, that's usually leaving a building. Well, that, that's good. I don't know, uh, Justin, how much you uh, visualize, but visualization is incredible. Uh, also, one of the things that we have, and I'd be happy to send it to you, shoot me an email, is a silo system. How do you silo your life? Different segments. So you have a work silo and you have a uh, play silo and a family silo. But it's to, to shut it off. But I don't know, particularly with cybersecurity, if you ever really let your guard down. That would be an interesting comment. How many of you really let your guard down? Because when you you know you know that the people who are trying to uh, penetrate your company never stop. So how can you stop? I, that's 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 constant. Like I I just started. So it's like stepping under Niagara Falls and just standing there. It's always coming. It's always going to come. Coming. So how do you, it's, it's always coming. So the thing is, what can you anticipate? How can, and then the other thing that really comes back to this is when you talk about mind game stuff, it has to do with, uh, you know, focus and concentration. I can remember saying to a professional quarterback, uh, what do you need to have happen? He said, I have to increase my concentration. I said, okay, what gets in, from, in a way of your concentration? He said, I get distracted. I said, what distracts it? He said, the way I talk to myself. Then we had to then we had to go down and look at the schedule for the year and how he talked to himself about each particular team so that you can identify contaminating conversations that you're having with yourself before you enter the event. Now, so I don't forget it. If anybody has that negative chatter that goes on in your head over and over and over and over and over again and never seems to stop, uh, the thing to do is just start putting your tongue up to the roof of your mouth. The minute your tongue is on the roof of your mouth, you can't think of anything. You just can't think of anything. And so that works very, very well to take you out of that situation. Right. Yep. Raphael says, I like the SWOT analysis. It helped me switch careers and I feel more efficient. Um, there is another lady, Zalia, 
It's not popping up here. Her name is Zelaya. Okay. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Zelaya Suraju. And this is her question. How do you know what you do well? Are there tips or clues that can help you figure this out? Yes, there, there are. There are, you know, when you look at what you do, it's, it's, sometimes it's not easy to do that. What I use with my clients is I use an assessment. It's a risk assessment. And it shows them every single place that they can foul up going forward or really backwards from 2025. But to know what you do well, uh, you know, what got you to where you are today? What are you really good at? What do people say about you? What do people say about your ability and what you provide for your company? Uh, the interesting thing about uh, competence is that one of the biggest risks today is the cost of unconscious competence. If you come into a company and your responsibility is to develop people who are underneath you, it's impossible for you to teach them something that you don't know that you know. And I will tell everybody on this call, you all know way more than you know that you know, because you've done certain stuff for so long, uh, it's almost automatic. But if I come to work for you, then your responsibility is to teach me what you know so that I can duplicate your efforts in some way. And that's impossible if you don't know what you do well. Mm -hmm. But I've seen this across the world with people who run companies because you just do stuff automatically. Yeah, it does happen often. Um, so Dan, another thing that we, I know was coming up it was fast tracking. Um, well, why selling mistakes is a fast track. I know that's one of the areas that you talk about a lot and yeah. talk uh, about selling mistakes. It, it sounds silly to say that I sell mistakes. However, when I say that I sell mistakes, nobody ever walks away, you know, because who would ever, somebody, the, the common question, who would ever want to buy a mistake? I said, somebody who doesn't want to make one. You know, everybody today is talking about solutions. We provide solutions for companies. Well, if you buy the mistakes first and don't make them, mistakes that somebody else made, then you don't have to pay for the solutions, which are often much more costly than a mistake is going to cost you. So what I what I do is I have a, a mistakes marketing system. And that's anybody that sends me a note about it, I'll send you a way to get into this thing. But... I say to somebody, I'll send you my mistakes list and then you send me back your mistakes list, mistakes that your clients made before they became your client and what it cost them in money, emotion, and reputation. When I get your list back, my responsibility is to make it confusing because your mistakes list has to be confusing as you talk about it to someone else so that they continue to ask you questions. But at the end of the day, it, it changes you from somebody that, I mean, what, what cybersecurity professional? And somebody says, what do you do? He says, I'm in cybersecurity. I sell mistakes. Well, of course you sell mistakes. I can't, I can't even imagine the mistakes list of the people who listen on this call, the mistakes that your client, current clients made before they became your client. That should be, we really should probably put that out as homework for the next or big that, question. That would be great. For next week. Right. That, like that, how many times have you come into 
just a messed up situation as a cybersecurity professional because we know what we see in this space. So I can't even imagine the different types of mistakes that people would have that if their if their internal client, external client, whoever came to them first, all the things that they would have had that wouldn't have happened if they reached out to a Justin Jones or Zelaya, Zalia, or any of these other people, or Raphael, like if they reached out to somebody, somebody in the cybersecurity space first, the mistakes that they could have avoided and probably the time, the energy, the headaches, the money, all the money, these things. The money has got to be enormous. Just what is what does a penetration cost the company? You know, it's. I give you a very quick example. I have a, an attorney, I who is a client of mine, and I said he said to me, "I have a great story for you." He said, "I have a client right now who, 15 years ago, started a partnership with his partner on a handshake." The relationship disintegrated, the company disintegrated. He says that now for him to get out of this company, it's going to cost him $350,000. It's a $350,000 mistake. But the mistakes that you guys are dealing with have to be enormous. So just the, the amount of mistakes that people know about that they can talk about. And then, of course, there are ones that you can't talk about. And that's why I say to people, contact me on your private email with a private email address, not with your company, and we can talk about it. You know, it's over and over and over again. Yeah, I have a, I have a client who's a, 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 a lawyer. He represents companies for patent, patent and trademark. I said to him, you know, you should have a T-shirt. It says, don't talk to anybody. You know, <laughs> you get an idea. People talk about it and talk about it. Somebody else takes the idea and runs with it. I know. Some of you know, us are so, it's so funny. I laugh at that because I think we get so excited and then we want to tell somebody, you, you want to bounce the idea off of someone else. Like, oh, what do you think about this? Or I just thought about that. Or we just got together and we thought about this thing. Um yeah, so that, I could easily see me making that mistake easily. Well, but, but, <laughs> but how many how, how many people when you tell them your great idea support you? What a wonderful idea, Renee! I think you should pursue that. Nah, that'll never work. You know, it's uh, the amount of one of the mistakes on our mistakes list is we don't do it this way. Okay, other people are. You know, people want to know what their competition is doing that they will never ever tell them about, and that's. You know, I, the, one, the way I got into working with professional footballers, I was at a, a luncheon where I had a tight end for the New York Jets talking, and I said to him, do your athletes see themselves as a CEO of their own company? He said to me, no. So he took my card, and instead of throwing it away like he does most of them, he called me and he, he retained me for three years until he moved, and then he referred his best friend to me. But again, it's... Well, identifying distractions and obstacles before you confront them is the way you beat them. And the people on this call are so creative. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and you think about the way your competition thinks about you. You know, you know, so it's, it's a, it really is a mind game. It really is a mind game. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 
it's uh, but I find it waiting is too risky. And you mentioned before about fast tracking. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found is it's slow is not working for anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. They want to be my next question. <laughs> they have, you know, they want, they want stuff to happen quickly. They need it to happen quickly. Uh, and, you know, for, I, this, this, I have a conversion process where somebody is able to convert a, a person from another client to you. Uh, and it's done with talking about two things, 2025 and mistakes. And not somebody else's mistakes. Because you're not pointing your fingers at anybody. These are mistakes your clients made before they became your client. Imagine somebody who's in a high-profile position to select somebody to, to go to recruit it. I, I use you as an example. You know, that, What does it cost somebody not to use you as a recruiter? <laughs> it's got to be crazy. Because you attract all these high- Millions. but but, you know it's exactly so a lot of people would say i want to talk about renee so people say i want to retain renee to recruit for my company that's not what i want them to say i want them to say i don't want to not hire renee because of the cost of not hiring so i mean one of the things you talk about is, is wait people the risk of waiting, people wait, we're going to wait, I'm going to wait. What are they waiting for? I mean, right now, people who want to engage in the kind of process that I talk about and you talk about is, is uh, they're sitting home. Right. So, you know, and the other thing with, with uh, particularly with student athletes and, and younger people is that, uh, the you, you incorporated concept, when somebody sees themselves as owning their own company, it changes their behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that play out? When I worked with executives with Hewlett Packard, uh, these guys were very, very bright technologically, and, and uh, but not managerially necessarily. So they needed management strategies. How do you, remote, how do you manage remotely? Well, there's a whole system they're very effectively managing remotely. That if people implement it, it can be done very quickly, but where the speed is, because you can't afford to make the mistake. Oops, it's not a good response. And somebody says, this just happened. You know, oops. Oh, I didn't, you know, so it's, uh, it's a creative environment. I mean, if I was... Right. If I was into board games or these internet games, I think cybersecurity would be incredible as a way to constantly try to blow up the bad guys who were coming at you. You know, it's. Yeah. I mean, one of my friends, my really good friend, Namdi, he wrote a, an excellent article today or yesterday that I'm going to share right after this. And he talked about phishing on LinkedIn. Now, all of us from a cybersecurity perspective understand phishing, but the people who are not typically on LinkedIn um, or may not necessarily fully understand what that means, I thought it was such a relevant topic, um, meaning that people are coming at you, you know, they may masquerade as a person who is looking to hire you for a job or 
you know, they may say, oh, I'm Renee Small and I'm coming in a, and they may send an email and say, oh, send me your resume or send me your contact information or click on this link. And it's not really me. And it's all happening through this platform. And when you talk about mistakes and you talk about what people, you know, the, the kinds of things that, you know, the, the, the ramifications of doing something like that, downloading something into your system where these people just have access to everything on your computer and on your network. And, you know, for us in the cybersecurity world, we are, we're, we're very much aware and we keep a, you know, we always keep like a, a side eye to anything that looks suspicious, but for an average person who may not fully understand this and they are looking for an opportunity if they're out there looking for a job, like say you're a customer service rep or whatever it is that you're doing and you're looking for an opportunity and something like this comes by, it's kind of, and you you happen to be on your current employer's network on LinkedIn, something like this happens. And now this 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 malware or anything that goes into your computer has so much access. And you you talk about the price of mistakes. It's like you want if you have one employee, if you're a manager and you're a leader of like the, uh, say for example a customer service group, and you have one customer service rep that clicks on this thing, and all of a sudden malware is inside your network. I mean, that could, that could cause sure. all kinds of issues. So when you talk about the price of mistakes, you talk about, you know, some of the things that you just described. Um, yeah. Even even being a CEO of your own company, like when you talk about the U Inc., which is what you yeah. know, our topic for today, and really being aware as a whole from student athletes or students all the way up, like being aware of what's around you and what you could do to screw things up potentially for yourself, for your employer, for your future, um, all those things. Just being aware of the risk is what's important because the risk is, I mean, they, people on the school could probably write a book about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that, that again, it's, it's knowing what's going to get in your way. What could derail you? And how do you, and if you're managing a team, I'm thinking of that T-shirt I told the uh, lawyer to get, don't talk to anybody. Don't click. On, everybody should get a T-shirt that says "Don't click on anything." <laughs> you know, because, you know what, what, what's interesting is is that that uh, you know this is so natural to everybody on this call, right? And and if you had a two minute, twenty five second conversation with me about what you do, I'd be fascinated for, and then then you lost me. So it's this is where the unconscious competence comes in is how do you and communicate? We ought to put a, a we ought to do a thing on power communication because how you communicate to the CEO of your company and enter into an arena that he is not or she is not familiar with, does not understand using terminology that they don't understand. It's how do you paint the risk? How do you, mm -hmm. how do you paint this enormous risk? Yep. So Justin Jones says, um, poor company retention generates the need for extensive recruiting. What steps can companies take towards higher retention and keeping that cybersecurity corporate knowledge within the company? I think that I, I can only come back and make a reference to a client that ran a law firm in the city. 
I, they said to me, we're growing our firm. We're going to put a couple of other divisions in and, and we're, re we're recruiting and interviewing people for this job, for these jobs. I said, what are you interviewing them for? He said, well, for their skills and their te technological knowledge and the knowledge of the law. I said, I would start out by recruiting somebody based on their dream. Just try this. The next time you're talking to somebody, instead of talking to them in 2020, talk to them in 2025. Say, just imagine for a moment I gave you a magic wand, waved at you in 2025. What would that look like? The whole conversation is going to change. And so the point is, is that you want to find out if somebody comes, Justin, if somebody comes to work for you and you're retaining, you're, you're hiring somebody, or Renee sends you somebody to as a recruit, I would want to know what their dream is. I mean, the best dream would be that the person would say, I want your job. Then, then you say, okay, I'm going to help you with all the knowledge I know to help you accomplish this, to get this job. And it's bringing people, because when people know that you are interested in them, then I don't see how anybody would leave a firm if they had the challenge but, you know, we and Renee and I have talked about this, the difference between external customers and internal customers. Sometimes people do not uh, treat internal customers as well as they treat external customers. And I think that that's, that's a major mistake because everybody is running this operation and trying to make it work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, yes. No, go ahead. No, I, uh, I, did a program years ago for Avaya, and they had uh, they had international salespeople would call into their tech re report, tech support, and they would get all types of garbage thrown at them. What's the matter with you? You didn't push this, but you know you can't do that. You have to make it easy to work for. Yeah, I said to Justin, I just um, chatted him back in the chat and said when when I started um, consulting my consulting company, it was specifically around this because I had been recruiting for all these years and then moved into the cybersecurity department where I worked and saw so much turnover. And it was always a question in the back of my mind when, when recruiting, because you recruit someone and then you see a year later, six months, you know, nine months later, the person's gone and you wonder what is going on over there? Like what's happening in this department? And um, I started to see some patterns and, and do some research and things like that in regards to retention. And I, I saw that recruiting is, you know, one part of the, the, um, the challenge, you know, how to get good talent, how to bring talent in. And, but the retention piece always was the piece that was so mind boggling for me. And what was interesting that I saw with a lot of these organizations, not every single one, but with a lot of the organizations, it wasn't as big of a deal, which to me was, was fascinating to see that, okay, we'll let the person go and we'll bring in someone else. And I think that these people at the top may not fully understand what it means to have a retention issue with a lot of folks turning over, you know, the corporate knowledge kind of walking out the door and then you bring someone in and the cost of turnover. It's, it's far beyond what anybody, I don't have the statistics on the top of my head right now, but I'll tell you that it costs, 
to replace a, a senior executive can cost you six to seven times his salary because yeah. somebody else has to somebody has to stop their efforts to come back to you know onboard this other person i mean it's amazing it is it is the cost of retention is so high but what tends to happen what i've seen over the years in different organizations is that they it's the here and now you know it's like okay i need another body like they don't think to look back to take preventative measures to say okay well what will retain these people like what well, let's take a real hard look at what we need, what's important, who are the folks that with what skill sets do we need to, with what, you know, the culture fit, all of the things that make high performance teams and make people want to stay on and want to, even in the rough times, like stick with the company and stick with that team and with that manager. Um, they don't take a, a, a hard look at that. There's some awesome, excellent companies that do, but uh, especially some of the bigger ones that I've talked to, small companies are phenomenal at this. Like they have this, usually have like a really great culture. Um, but the bigger ones, it's just like, oh, well, you know, I'll just pay another, you know, I'll, I'll pay another recruitment fee and get another person or what have you. And it's like, you're not fully understanding what's going on inside your organization. And another another piece to that retention in particular is um, what I think is a miss a big missing gap um, is the upskilling and reskilling of other employees. So especially if you're in a big art large company, you have people that have the aptitude and the skill, and they they um, are interested in moving into a specific department. Like think about the retention of a person that you're going to bring from you know. Let's take customer service rep, for example. If you bring a customer service rep who is doing, you know, if she is working on a master's degree or in cybersecurity or doing all these things um, to keep, to break into the industry, and then you take a chance on that person and bring that person in and help that person, that retention level, that, you know, just bringing somebody like that over who already understands the company culture, who's already been inside the company, who knows people there, that's going to give you such a different runway versus someone who um, who's coming from the outside who likely will turn over in, in a couple of weeks or not a couple of weeks, hopefully not a couple of weeks, <laughs> a couple of months for sure. Um, Justin makes a couple com a couple com a comment here. He says exit interviews is a key problem at so many companies. How would you engage with senior leadership if you worked inside the company um, to ensure this piece is added? So Justin, I'll, I'll add I'll add on and then I'll let Dan jump into. But exit uh, exit interviews happen. You know they're there at the various companies. And sometimes I think the leaders, so there's two pieces to that. You know, does a person really want to tell the truth when they're on their way out? Um, I've seen people, you know, I've heard of situations where people, they just want to go. They, they give, you know, the average exit interview. They say something, but they're not really telling the, the real truth about what's happening or their truth, not, not any truth, their truth about what's happening. Um, so even when the exit interviews are in place, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get, you know, what you really need to get out of them. So Dan, what did you want to add? I, first of all, I think you, um, I, since I work with people who are on, on the top, at the top of their game, 
I look back at, and your question is great. What, how do you engage with senior leadership uh, if you worked inside the government? I would, I think that if, if senior leadership was in 2025, looking backwards, and they had this thought process that I know where we want to be. Let's see what anything that could derail us. And they'd start to look for things that would derail them. But again, you know, when you put a good candidate into a place, and I know Renee and I've dealt with this over the years, the people who, it's just poor managers or the poor managerial situation where a manager will try to steal the opportunity of the person she manages who's moving up within the company. I mean, it's absolutely astounding. So, you know, it's one thing to go in to do your job in cybersecurity, for example, and to do whatever your role is, but to, to, and to look for people who are trying to, to uh, penetrate your company. But when you also have to watch your back, I mean, I, I, had, a, I had a client in, in, uh, in, in Germany with Hewlett Packard, and uh, we were in, in uh, Geneva, and she said to me, uh, she said, I got a problem. I said, what's your problem? She says, I'm pregnant. I said, okay. So what's the problem? She said, well, we have a mandatory maternity leave that we have to go through. Uh, and I have people who I know who are trying to take my job. So we set up a whole system for her to fend off anybody who would try to take the job with some unusual things that she did. But at the end of the day, she started to work virtually, started to get people away from the office, which at that time, 15 years ago, was unusual, knowing that at some point in time, she wanted to start to have her staff meetings at her home after she had the baby, so that she could also not only maintain her position, but also keep her relationship with her clients, which was important. So, yeah. you know, it's looking at management. One of the things that Carly Fiorina did with HP when she took over was she said, I'm putting people in high-level positions. I want to make sure that they, uh, they can handle the managerial situations and challenges that they have. So we were in there as managerial coaches to say to somebody, you know, who are you talking to? What do you have to do? What do you have to make happen? And I've got, I've got hundreds of stories about this stuff that worked uh, and it worked most of the time because when somebody would put together a development plan for somebody who's advancing, uh, the consulting company that brought us in was working on those issues. But when you sat down with the individual, the individual says, I see myself here as running my own company. I'm running my own company. This is me. And if they always saw that, if they saw themselves rather as an employee of a company, if they saw themselves as a, a consultant who was, who was uh, leasing their services to that company, then they operate differently, I think. So it's a mental set. You can either see yourself as an employee or, or a CEO of your own company, and that encourages people to start to work on developing themselves. It's very different when you look at yourself as the CEO of your own. It's a different way. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if you bring it back to a student athlete, uh, when it, once a kid, and I've had a bunch of them who have business cards and hockey players and baseball players and that, but I'm talking about younger kids, uh, ninth grade, 10th grade. Uh, 
the minute they accept themselves as a CEO of their own company, every decision they make becomes a business decision. Mm -hmm. So rather than parents saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, the parents saying, when you're thinking of doing something, is that going to help your company or not help your company? So, you know, what gets in the way? Yep, exactly. So, Dan, we are at about 45 minutes. Definitely let me, uh, let's wrap right now. Okay. Thank you all for, for joining us on Memorial Day. We really, really appreciate all your comments and questions. And um, I know you can, anyone can reach out to Dan directly. Dan, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what should they, uh, they, they should. can always co contact me behind the scene. If you want to DM me, send me a note in um, LinkedIn Messenger, I will happily send you Dan's email and voice and um, self cell phone. That's what you right. like to do. You like texts. Yeah. Dan right. loves texts. <laughs> the phone number is very 917-880-6758. Text me and say, when can we set up a call? That's all. Yep. If you want to connect with Dan and you have more that you like to ask him privately, reach out. You can reach out to me and I can resend, I can, you know, send right. you his number to him directly. Dan, you've had a number of people reach out to you over the Absolutely. past couple of Absolutely. couple of weeks and you've been able to walk them through things. Um, it's all complimentary. Dan will help you with whatever challenges you're having right now. Um, and he'll be able to tell you up front if he can help or not. Right, Dan? Yeah. But the basic question is what do you what do you need to have happen right now that's not happening? You personally yep. right now that's not happening. And then if I can help you know in five minutes if I can help you and how. Awesome. Excellent. All right, folks. Have a wonderful Memorial Day. Uh, thank you so much for being a part um, of the conversation. And we will see you with Dan next Monday. We'll be here right. again next Monday. All right. Great. All Thanks. right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week.